0: We're going to give the chance for people. Oh, yeah, give a chance. You tell me when to, uh, yeah. when to. So do we have people on the phone end? Um...
1: We do, we've got our callers and our Zoomers. They're just coming in now okay. for people's audio to connect. Okay, welcome everyone to another book review by Kathy Diamond. Take it away, Kathy. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, this is Kathy Diamond Maria introduced me. And I am back again today with my monthly book talk. And the book that I have chosen to talk to you about today is Frederick Backman's novel, Anxious People. For those of you who are on Zoom, this is the cover of the book. I don't know how many of you have read it or if any of you have it with you today, but it is his most recently published novel, which was published in 2020. And apparently there is now a Netflix series that is um, available for viewing based on this book called anxious people I haven't seen it yet but I am anxious I guess not in that sense of the word I'm eager to see how the producers of the series have changed this book into into a Netflix series maybe some of you have already watched it but since I can't hear you and interact with you I don't know Frederick Backman is the one of the New York Times bestselling authors whose works have been appearing for the last few years. His first book was called, if those of you, those of you who are familiar with Mr. Bachman's work, was A Man Called, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, I think it's Uve, as anyways, it's a Swedish word, a man called Uve, that was also made into a film. Um, apparently, it's being remade or was remade, appeared in another film with Tom Hanks starring as the main character, but anyways, that was Mr. Beckman's first novel. Then he wrote a book called My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry. Then came Brit Marie Was Here, followed by Beartown, which we spoke about last year, and then the sequel to Bear Town, which is called Us Against You, and now Anxious People. As well as his novels, Mr. Backman has published two novellas and one work of nonfiction. His books have been translated into many languages and have been published in more than 40 countries. He lives in Stockholm, Sweden, with his wife and two children. Mr. Backman's latest novel, Anxious People, is a poignant comedy about a crime that never took place. About a would-be bank robber who disappears seemingly into thin air and eight extremely anxious strangers who find that they have more in common than they ever could have imagined after they are forced to spend some time together with each other i'd just like to read a little bit from the opening part of the book the opening chapter actually um, and I apologize to those of you who've read it or those of you who have it in front of you, but for those of you who had not it just gives you an idea of Mr. Backman's style. And as those of you who've read his other books, you know that he has a very special style. And this is how the book begins. A bank robbery, a hostage drama, a stairwell full of police officers on their way to storm an apartment. It was easy to get to this point, much easier than you might think. All it took was one single really bad idea. This story is about a lot of things, but mostly about idiots. And Mr. Backman likes to use this word in his book as well, quite frequently. So it needs saying from the outset, the author continues, that it's always very easy to declare that other people are idiots, but only if you forget how idiotically difficult being human is, especially if you have other people you are trying to be a reasonably good human being for. Because there's such an unbelievable amount that we are all supposed to be able to cope with these days, and this becomes a theme of the book as you go on and read it. An un- unbelievable amount of things that we are all supposed to be able to cope with these days. You're supposed to have a job and somewhere to live and a family, and you're supposed to pay taxes and have clean underwear and remember the password to your damn Wi-Fi. Some of us never manage to get the chaos under control. So our lives simply carry on, the world spinning through space at two million miles an hour while we bounce about on its surface like so many lost socks. Our hearts are bars of soap that we keep losing hold of. The moment we relax, they drift off and fall in love and get broken, all in the wink of an eye. We're not in control. So we learn to pretend all the time about our jobs and our marriages and our children and everything else. We pretend we're normal, that we are reasonably well-educated, that we understand amortization levels and inflation rates. We pretend to be good parents when all we really do is provide our kids with food and clothing and tell them off when they put the chewing gum they find on the ground in their mouths. We tried keeping tropical fish once and they all died. And we really don't know more about children than tropical fish. So the responsibility frightens the life out of us each morning. We don't have a plan. We just do our best to get through the day because there'll be another one coming along tomorrow. Sometimes it hurts. It really hurts for no other reason than the fact that our skin doesn't feel like it's ours. Sometimes we panic because the bills need paying and we have to be grown up and we don't know how because it's so horribly, desperately easy to fail at being grown up. Because everyone loves someone, And anyone who loves someone has had those desperate nights where we lie awake trying to figure out how we can afford to carry on being human beings. Sometimes that makes us do things that seem ridiculous in hindsight, but which felt like the only way out at the time. One single really bad idea, that's all it takes. And then he describes... That one morning, for instance, a 39-year-old resident of a not particularly large or noteworthy town left home clutching a pistol. And that was, in hindsight, a really stupid idea. Because this is a story about a hostage drama. But that wasn't the intention. That is to say, it was the intention that it should be a story. But it wasn't the intention that it should be about a hostage drama. It was supposed to be about a bank robbery but everything got a bit messed up because sometimes that happens with bank robberies. So the 39-year-old bank robber fled, but with no escape plan. And the thing about escape plans is that just like what the bank robber's mom always said years ago, when the bank robber forgot the ice cubes and the slices of lemon in the kitchen and had to run back, if your head isn't up to the job, your legs better be. So after the bank robbery, that wasn't actually a bank robbery, the police showed up And of course, of course, so the bank robber got scared and ran out across the street and into the first door that presented itself. Anyways, and the story goes on, but that's the introduction and that's Mr. Backman's style. So nothing really happens in his story that is is likely, at all likely. And yet, as this quirky story unfolds, and its collection of misfit characters emerge, anxious people gradually become something that's truer than life itself. The setting is almost New Year's Eve. It's the This takes place the day before New Year's Eve in a small Swedish town, as he says, an unnamed Swedish town. And in an interview, Mr. Backman said that on purpose, he he never named, he doesn't like to name his setting. Stockholm is mentioned in the book. That's the big city. But otherwise, he doesn't name the place because I guess he wants it to be applicable kind of an everyman story. So it could be happening anywhere. So it's this small Swedish town. It's the 30th of, of December when a distraught parent short on rent and afraid of losing child custody we we realize that the this distraught parent who is going to become the bank robber um, is divorced and has has children but is afraid of losing custody feebly and the emphasis here is really on feebly not planned well attempts to rob a bank when that doesn't work out and why doesn't it work out because the bank is apparently a cashless bank, which they have in Sweden. Um, and so there was no money to get. You don't pick a bank that has no cash if you want to get cash in your bank robbery. And the police are called by the teller who this hapless bank robber encounters, hapless would be bank robber encounters, and calls the police and the police are closing in. And so this perpetrator, this would be bank robber, very perplexed and very terrified and very anxious, still wearing the ski mask that was on his face and carrying a toy handgun flees into a nearby apartment building and thus unintentionally turns an ordinary open house for an apartment that's up for sale into a not so ordinary hostage situation. This locked in mystery, and this is what Mr. Backman said, he also wanted to do with this story. He wanted to set it, he wanted to, to set it in a closed situation, kind of a la Agatha Christie, where you have or those mystery writers, notably the British mystery writers, who, who you know, some there's a murder that's taken place, and then there's a closed situation, be it, I don't know, a country manor somewhere in the countryside in England, and all the possible, um, murderers are sitting there together while the detective or whoever has to has to unravel the mystery so it was something that that the author wanted to try when he set this story in this apartment where an open house was taking place so most of the story i mean there's a bit that's outside of it takes place inside that apartment as eight diverse and a little bit peculiar people although aren't we all a little peculiar Strangers, none of them know each other, checking out an apartment for sale, they suddenly personify the anxious in the book's title. And the bank robber, meanwhile, is crying, is sobbing, is apologizing to the people in the apartment, saying, I am having quite a complicated day and so is everyone else. Viewing an apartment doesn't normally turn into a life or death situation, but this particular open house becomes just that when this failed bank robber bursts in and takes everyone in the apartment hostage. The bank robber had no intention that this should ever turn into a hostage taking, but that's just what happens when the bank robber burst into the apartment and is holding this toy gun and he is being chased by the police. And therefore it becomes a hostage situation. And so these eight strangers who've been taken hostage are there together um, in this apartment, can't go anywhere. And slowly they began, they begin talking to each other because while they're viewing the apartment they don't talk to each other I mean, there are two couples so the couples would talk to each other but the others don't because when you go to see an open house anybody else anybody who's been to an open house this is an interesting this is an interesting construct that the that mr backman has used that an open house is a place that even if there's no hostage taking um taking place It can be very anxiety provoking, depending on how much you want that particular apartment, how desperate you are to find a place to live to buy. And so anybody else who's attending an open house at the same time as you are, is a competitor or a possible competitor to you, because you want to bid on the apartment and they want to bid on the apartment, you know, so... So people don't usually talk to each other, but this is a very odd situation. So now they're all in it together and they're forgetting about buying the apartment or maybe they're forgetting about buying the apartment. They're more worried about what's gonna happen to them and is the bank robber gonna shoot them. So they start to talk to each other and under the stress of the situation, they talk about things that maybe they ordinarily would not have been sharing with total or up until then total strangers. They begin opening up to one another and begin to reveal things about themselves and truths about themselves that perhaps they hadn't even realized until they were in this situation. So you could say it was a kind of um, a group therapy session in an odd way under a great deal of pressure. Who are the characters? Who are these eight hostages in this apartment? Firstly, we have Zara, who is a 50-something wealthy bank director. And she's described as wearing very beautiful clothes and carrying a large, very expensive handbag. And she's a very elegant woman and she has a very unpleasant condescending manner. When she talks to others, she seems very cold and very, very really um, nasty. And it turns, and very hard, very hard to warm up to very hard to light. It seems that as the story progresses, as the hostage drama progresses, that she has been very busy with her career. She's built herself up to become one of the directors of this bank and she doesn't seem to have any Personal life, she doesn't have any anyone close in her life. And she seems to have been too busy really to care about any of this until something, a very tragic situation changed changed her and changed what she the way she was behaving um, about what she wanted in life. And now it seems, but we don't know what that is, it just seems now. she has become obsessed with visiting open houses to see how ordinary people, ordinary people, meaning people who are not as wealthy as her and live in different kinds of apartments that she She lived. We assume in a very beautiful apartment in a very different part of town. Um, but perhaps she's doing this because there's more to this than just going to look at apartments of people who can't afford as nice apartments as she can. Perhaps she is trying to fix something in her life. And we actually find out to us this story because the story goes back and forth. How is Mr. Backman set it up? He has this hostage drama unfolding. And from the very beginning, we know what, what is going to take place that he gives us in those. Three into the introductory pages that there's going to be a, a, a botched bank um, robbery, and then the bank robber runs into this apartment, and then inadvertently has to take these people at the viewing hostage, and um, and that but that's interspersed with interviews, witness interviews with the ex-hostages once they've been released. So yes, the story has a, well. We're going to find out that it has a happy ending. The hostages are are, are not killed, they're not harmed. Um, and but in the meanwhile, we have, as I said, we have the goes the story goes back and forth between what's taking place at the apartment and these witness reports in which the police are questioning the hostages once they've been released in order to try and find, the suspect, because the suspect has seemingly disappeared into thin air after the police have come into the apartment and the hostages are led away safely. So you have Zara, she's the first one, this 50 something year old woman. And then there is a couple, a retired couple, meaning I don't know that they're in their 60s. um, And they they are on a never ending hunt for fixer upper apartments that they fix up and then they resell and they do this over and over and over again they also are addicted to ikea they know every they've been to visit every single ikea in the country 16 apparently in sweden at least that's what the book says and they know every bit of furniture and every cushion and in which pattern every cushion comes in because this is what they spend now that they're retired spend their days doing It also seems that they are trying to hide the fact that while they're fixing up these apartments, they don't know how to fix their faltering marriage. And then you have another couple. In this case, two women, Julia and Roe, a young lesbian couple. One of them, Julia, is very pregnant, expecting their first baby soon. And these new parents-to-be, are very nervous. They're nervous about all kinds of things. They're nervous about the fact that they're becoming parents, which terrifies them. Are they gonna do a good enough job? Are they going to be good enough parents to this new baby? Should they even be a couple together because they seem to be arguing about everything? And um, and they just can't agree on anything. They're the next two hostages. And then we have an 87 year old woman by the name of Estelle, turns out that she's the neighbor um and she's in looking at the apartment because she says that she's looking at it for her daughter she's checking it out and her husband will be along any any minute because he's gone to park the car so she's there in the apartment and she's the one who's not really so um so upset not to say upset but she doesn't get so flustered when the bank robber is waving around what seems to be well they're not sure it looks like a toy pistol but maybe chances are it's not but it seems like a toy pistol and Estelle says at my age now she's approaching 90 that I'm not really worried about these things and she's the one who tries to calm the bank robber down. as the police so and there's the real estate agent there's the realtor who is a very um a very annoying real estate agent, very pushy and very nervous and very uh, not the kind of woman that you're immediately taken to and have confidence in. But anyways, this is her showy. And even though they say, everyone says to her, why did you pick this day of the year? Who picks the day before New Year's Eve to show an apartment? And she says, exactly. That's why I picked it. So this is who's inside the apartment. As the police, because the police have been called, they surround the premises, television channels are broadcasting the hostage situation live, the tension mounts, and even more is said as the hours go by and the hostages are still there wondering how this drama is going to end, and more is revealed about their characters. So this is how Mr. Backman develops his character. So by the end of the story, even though the hostages have only been together for a few hours before their release, we the readers come to know their backstories, and we learn more about them, and we learn what is really making them anxious. And it's not just that they're looking for an apartment. There's, and, and so it's it's very human on that level. And he does it in a very clever, skillful way because as those of you who are familiar with Mr. Backman's style know, he has a way of writing that's very easy to read. It seems very almost flippant in his, in his writing. And he, he plays with language also very well. But it's not just light and fluffy and flippant and sentimental. There is, I mean, there is that as well. He is a sentimental writer and he is interested in people's emotions and people's feelings. And he does believe in human connection and in love. And those of you who read his other stories know that. But he also has more that he wants to say. You know, a, this is, his books are all books about the human condition, which I guess is what a good novel really is about. But as I said, he has this style that those of you who are familiar with know because it seems to be you know, comical and flippant. And yet it can turn one sentence to the next can turn into something that you go, and it's very serious. So this is his forte. And this is a very good setting, the setting that he's created this hostage drama in order in which he does very well, reveal so much about his cast of characters. So before long, as the police are are surrounding the apartment building, the robber must decide which is the more terrifying prospect, going out to face the police or staying in the apartment with this group of annoying, anxious, almost impossible people. But Backman is sly, maybe that there's a word for it to describe him, as I said, he can write comic flippant and then change. So he's sly, he's very clever. Nothing is as random nor as obvious as it appears. While, While he focuses on the current series of curious events in the apartment, he also fills in his character driven plot with numerous backstories that link, among other things, a bridge, suicides, and a peculiar drawing of a frog, a monkey, and an elk. Then, just when it seems as though everything has been sorted out, he turns it all topsy-turvy that would be with a with a stunning revelation, that's what he uses, that I'm not going to disclose, just in case some of you haven't, because I think some of you haven't read the book, and it would be a major spoiler to disclose. And it would ruin the fun of discovery for those of you who haven't read the book. There are two local detectives investigating this curiouser and curiouser case. And they, it turned out, are father and son. Jim and Jack, they entered this crazy scene after the situation has ended. The scene meaning, the scene of the hostage taking this, well, is there not really, I guess, scene of the crime. Um, the supposed, supposed hostages, the hostages have been released. There is blood on the carpet and the robbery suspect is nowhere to be found. So this is another mystery because the hostages have been released. And if they were all if they were all the hostages who were there, then whose blood is it? And did the did the, but if the if the robbery suspect tried to kill himself or killed himself, but there's no sign of the suspect. So so when the police come in, there's this 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 scene. But the two investigating policemen, father and son, Jim and Jack, have no experience with capture crisis because this kind of thing does not happen in their small Swedish town, which is not Stockholm, one has to remember. And they, so even in a bit that seems kind of bizarre and crazy, they peruse the internet to try and find ways of dealing with the situation. Even though their superiors in Stockholm want to tell them what to do and are going to send a superior from Stockholm until the the guy from Stockholm gets there, they have to deal with the situation. And it's a whole thing against Stockholm here because they disdain the locals, the, the inhabitants of this small town, including the two detectives disdain Stockholmers and the syndrome named after them. And I know everyone's familiar with the term Stockholm syndrome. I mean, I was too, but I never really looked it up. And apparently it comes from a robbery attempt. And there was, um, sorry, it's a psychological condition that was named for a 1973 botched bank robbery in Stockholm where four bank employees were taken hostage and they developed an affectionate relationship with their captors. So that's where the term Stockholm syndrome comes from. But then broadens the concept to kind of include all of us, all of our anxieties about life, all of our empathy for others, all of our struggles to do our best. A good portion of the novel consists of exuberant recorded transcripts. What I was telling you, these transcripts of witness interviews with the visitors to the apartment. And so those are written as, you know, the name of the policeman, whether it's Jim or Jack, and whichever witness they're interviewing with. So it's the way it would be, you know, speaker and answer, speak and answer, speak and answer, question, answer, question, answer. And, and they and there's a real like. He uses very lively language in these transcripts. And who does he interview? He interviews all of them. So you had Zara, who, as I said, is that condescending bank manager. But it turns out that she is in therapy for depression and for all kinds of other things. She's very resistant to therapy. She only goes because she wants to get sleeping pills because she's not sleeping. But the therapist, the young therapist who she goes to doesn't want to give her anyways can't prescribe her the sleeping pills but she's and so that relationship is examined and that comes out in the book then you have the couple the Julia and Roe they who as I said are struggling with their possibilities for parenthood that comes out in their witness interviews you had the elderly neighbor Estelle and we find out a little bit about her life and her relationship with her husband and her daughter and why she would be looking at this apartment. You have the, that retired couple, Annalena and Roger. Roger, those property flippers who love Ikea. And we get to know the situation of their marriage and a little bit about of their backstory, which makes us sympathetic to them. There's even another, there's an, there was another man, another character, a man called Lennart. Who they find sitting in the bathroom, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's part of Mr. Backman's story wearing a rabbit head and only his underwear and socks to go along with it. What is he doing there in this apartment? He has his own motives for being there, and of course, the real estate agent, the very annoying real estate agent, and all of them are interviewed by the police, and that's another part of the story. It sounds complicated. It's not complicated when you you actually read it, more complicated in my telling it. And Bachman is able to judge, to juggle all of this because he is a clever writer. And he juggles all of this with ease and his usual mellifluous style and grace. And in the midst of the humor, there's some really funny parts as those of you who read his books know and this is actually funnier than Beartown was that last novel that we talked about was not that funny this is funny in the midst of the humor though he manages to inject poignant observations about life and death love and marriage parenting and divorce as well as social and economic stress The resolution to the story when it comes is unexpected at least to me was unexpected but seems just right justice is served and anxious people is in my mind was a joy to read an absurdist black dramedy and a treasure for any of Mr. Bachman's fans. I found a conversation with the author that I'd just like to share with you in which he talks about why he wrote the book and how, you know, sort of, and again, this is a little bit of his backstory, which explains how he came to write this book. He said that in the fall of 2017, so that's four years, four and a half years ago, he said something happened to him. He was supposed to be going to a book fair in Copenhagen, but all of a sudden, nothing made sense to him. He said, the dates were, dates were confused in my mind. I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I wasn't thinking the way I usually thought. And he says, there's an expression in Swedish saying that something like, when you're burnt out, They say in Swedish, this person hit the wall. And he said, that's what happened to me. So his wife and his agent just canceled everything. He took a break. He took a break from book promotion and he went to see a therapist. This is the author himself. He said, I have always struggled with anxieties. I'm a pretty anxious person. That's one of the basic traits needed to become a writer. That's Mr. Backman speaking. In fact, Backman had turned to therapy 15 years before, after he was shot in the leg during a robbery, which left him on crutches and scared of everything, he says. My wife looks at me sometimes and says, you know, very strange things happen to you. And these strange things happen to you quite a lot. So Backman, it seems, pulled from both of those moments: the, the confusion and the break, the, the burnout and, and the psychological not well-being, as well as his experience of being shot in a robbery. He he put both of these into his new novel, Anxious People. And as you, you know, when you read it, each character has a story that slowly unrolls, revealing a complicated, heart-rending, tragic, hilarious, and interconnected truth. Backman says, I steal little things from a lot of people. And I put all of that into a character, and I work on it until the character is real for me, until I care about the person, and at that point, they can be a character in one of my books. Sometimes, he says, I steal from myself, like in the scenes in the book when one character is seeing a therapist. That's those scenes with Zara seeing the therapist, the psychiatrist being annoyed with this narcissistic person actually a really, psychologist, annoyed with this narcissistic person, comes from me, says the author. In Backman's case, what came from hitting the wall was wanting to write about anxiety. But not people in an extreme situation, he said. I wanted to write about normal people. I like to write about ordinary people. If you notice in my books, I don't write about extraordinary people. I write about people who are like me, I feel, who are just trying to get through the day. And he wanted to write about the feelings that he himself had experienced. A sense of failure and futility that can happen regardless of success. And Mr. Bachman is nothing if not a successful novelist at this point in his life. So it's interesting that he's he's still anxious, he says. So you see that anxiety is not only situationally caused it's something that's maybe part of the human condition and we deal with it some of us better and some of us not so well almost all and this is one last point i'd like to to make is that almost all of Bachman's book touch on suicide if you've noticed those of you who've read his other books And in anxious people, a man jumping off a bridge has a far reaching effect. So for Backman who has struggled with anxiety as well as depression, this is personal. I had a very close friend who ended his life when I was about 20 years old and that never stops affecting you, he says. In fact, those of you who read the book will notice that there's a list at the end of the book and I have, um, I have obviously a Canadian version of the book, but there's a list at the end of the book that gives the, the reader, it says the book ends and then the next page says, if you need someone. And it's a list of national helplines and provincial helplines. And for inf- and then it has a section for information and support, whether it's you, yourself who needs it or someone close to you, take a look at and then it's these different, these different uh, sites you can look at suicide prevention and crisis helpline. So he writes this, as I say, you know, it's a comedy and he's very funny and he, he's very acerbic in his wits and he can actually be very slapstick in the kind of humor that he uses, but it's mixed with a the sadness there and a seriousness. And so knowing of this about Mr. Backman, the author himself, I think makes the book all that much more um, effective and poignant. Parenting is another theme recurring in Backman's work. He, because he's a parent and he had, but he's, he's young. So he started to write, he didn't have children and then he got married and he had children. And he says, you know, the things that you do for your children, the feelings that you have for your children, until you have children, you can't know these. He said, human beings have had children since the beginning of time, and we still don't know really what to do with them. So Anxious People grapples with both mental health and parenting, but at its heart, it's about how we are all connected. A person standing on a bridge, that story affects a lot of other people, Backman says. That's the furthest edge of anxiety that I have struggled with. I wanted to write about that and how what you do and don't do actually matters. People will have to deal with your choices. Others will have to deal with your choices for the rest of their life. He also notes that house hunting tends to bring out a lot of the existential questions in people. Is this where I wanna live? Is this how I view myself? Can I afford this? Will we be wanting to have children? What kind of parents would we be in the next five or 10 years? How do we see ourselves? Should we buy this place? It's a reflective take on the future from someone who says that he never thought much about what he would be when he grew up. This is back been talking about himself. He says, I thought I'd be a soccer player when I was a kid, but then I really wasn't good enough to be a soccer player. And so I realized I couldn't do that. And he, by the way, also drove a forklift truck and and wrote a blog for a while. and he still doesn't think of himself. He finds it hard to think of himself as an author, as a writer, as and he's a very successful author and writer. So he says, but I still am anxious. I still think no matter what the success my books have what success my books have had, that this could all end tomorrow. This could all be over, but I still tell stories. I don't have much in the way of hobbies. I don't have a lot of friends, I'm not a sociable person, so I don't do a lot of other things. I have my family, I write, and I read, and that's what I prefer." And he says, so this, for me, is what I'm going to keep on doing as long as I can do it. And after I won't be doing so many things, my kids will be doing things and I will just tag along. I'm looking forward to that way more. And that was the interview with Mr. Backman. So I hope you've enjoyed the talk about Anxious People today. And those of you who haven't read it, I hope that this will make you interested in reading it because it's really a very good read. Those of you who've read Backman before and are his fans don't need any convincing. Um, And those of you who've not, this is a good book to begin with. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you again next month. Um, Maybe there are some questions to answer in the chat.
1: Um we are now opening it up to questions. We do have a happy comment from Lynn. I don't know if you can see it. It says uh,
0: yes, I can see so- it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Lynn. I hope to see you again soon in person.
1: We're going to give people about a minute to see if they want to put a question in the chat. Also, if you want to ask your question, you can actually raise your hand and I will allow you to speak. Um that's for the for the people here in attendance. We're gonna give them a minute.
0: Sure.
1: Really great book choice. I, I've i read all of his works. Oh, you read all of his books, yeah? Yeah. Have
0: Once you, you've read one, you wanna read, you want to read them all. Also, and the one he wrote for his son, that is the nonfiction one?
1: No, I haven't read the nonfiction one. Yeah,
0: apparently, I forget, I have the title of it somewhere. Something, he wrote it for his son. Um, What's it called? Uh, Everything that you need to know, something like that. That's the nonfiction one. And then there was a novella that was published after Anxious People I saw, an an illustrated small book, small story. So have you seen, did you see the Netflix version of it? No,
1: not yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm saving wonder, that like, one. How do you? Yeah. How are they I, it's a, such an. I think there's so much internal strife yeah. uh, and, and, and so much.
0: Like, I don't. know how They're going to represent it. I mean, you could you could see it as a, you know, the situation like the like the the are taking the robbery and the and the interviews and all that. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Gina, I'm reading your question. Can I read the question, Maria? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, is the gender of the robber reveal the way it is on purpose? I'm leaving this out because of the people who have not read it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I think absolutely. Because I, I, I think you assume something and then, um, and, but I never noticed. this. You see, this is how, this is how interesting it is. I never noticed what I had assumed. And so I, I absolutely, definitely I mean that's that's what I think, yeah. Because I think that's also you know assumptions that that people make. But um, if I could talk to you personally, I would. But I don't want to say anymore. But I think it's it's definitely intentional because if you go back and check and see the way it's always the bank robber, the bank robber, the bank robber, um, till till we know, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Any other questions, comments?
1: No, but that's a really good question. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> thank yeah. you, Gina. Very thank smart you, Gina, question. Thank Gina, for pointing that out.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Okay, so thank you for joining us. And we will see you again next month for our next review. The list of selected books is available on our website and all of the dates uh, have been posted up. So thank you for joining us and we will see you again in April. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.